0: Hey, Noelle. Yeah? I know you love audiobooks. Duh. But do you ever listen to them and wonder what would happen if things had been different? Um, of course.
1: That's why I love the Writer Wrong Podcast. And that's Writer, spelled
0: W-R-I-T-E-R, Wrong Podcast. The Right or Wrong podcast is a chapter-based fiction series that invites the audience to participate in the craft of storytelling.
1: With bi-weekly episodes, the host, Patrick Emile, who is amazing, by the way, he leads spirited discussions with a
0: rotating cast of co-hosts. But remember... It's up to the audience to decide what happens. Listeners can vote online for what they feel is the strongest choice between two different prompts. It's like if a Black Mirror episode met a choose-your-own-adventure
1: story, had a little baby, and I became obsessed with it. Oh, same. Check out the Right or Wrong podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And also check out their website, writerwrongpodcast.com. That's W R I T R. Wrongpodcast.com. Bye. Bye. Quite unusual. Hello and welcome to the Quite Unusual podcast. I am Noelle. And I am Nicole. And we are your hostesses. Yes, we are. You know, um, just really quickly, like something that's been bothering me. Yeah. I want to talk about Super brief. We'll keep it brief okay the night stalker doc oh how am i supposed to keep this brief uh, we got to we got to i hate long intros okay yeah yeah i know everyone is talking about it right now it's like so hot right now so hot right now but this is this is totally also just gonna date the episode like let's be honest well whatever. but i want to hear your thoughts on it and then i want to say a little something that's been bothering
0: me ah uh, so you want me to do my brief thoughts on it keep it brief keep it okay, brief okay mm. Okay, so I'm glad that you brought it up because I watched all of it, and I do have some thoughts. So I guess sort of spoiler for people
1: right now. Um, Who has not watched it. If
0: you haven't watched it, I don't know. Got to. So for those who haven't watched it, spoiler. Um, I think we all know how it ends, though, so I'm not sure how big of a spoiler this is. Right, it's like a real true story from the 80s, so. Yeah, we all know the Night Stalker. Anyways... I was preparing myself for this gruesome-ass documentary, which we know I'm not a baby when it comes to that stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, Paradise Lost is my favorite murder documentary, and they show everything in that. Yeah, you're a sick fuck. (laughs) Basically. Anyways, I didn't think that it was gruesome at all. I didn't think so either. No, and everything online was telling people to prepare them anyways. It was nothing. It was, yeah. The story, I think was driven by the detectives and their experiences more so than Richard Ramirez's. Yeah. Which I like that they did that, but I don't know. I wanted more about Richard and I wanted more about his upbringing. Thank you. Don't get me wrong, Detective Gill is a goddamn American hero. He is so cute and I love him so much. Dude, I love Gill so much. I mean his story How he came up in law enforcement. Everything was just absolutely great. I just adored him. You know what? All cops are bad, except Gil. Except for Gil. If you're a cop like Gil, then we love you. But for me, what makes murderers and murder just i guess as a whole so fascinating is the why you know Mm -hmm. the whole nature versus nurture debate and the psychology behind why people murder oh yeah and what in their lives could happen in them to turn them into these monsters yeah with ramirez i'm i'm not trying to justify his actions at all at all but he had several severe head injuries as a kid and Mm -hmm. he was abused yeah he had a cousin who he idolized, who murdered his wife in front of Richard Ramirez when he was ten. That was the cousin part was like a two second clip. Yeah, they they said a sentence yeah, yes. Terrible. And he also was on hard ass drugs as a child like when he was ten, as a child, as his brain's developing. I just I feel like that part was a bit glossed over and I wanted more. I mean, I could I could go on and on about this case. But I'm not going to. And this episode isn't about Richard Ramirez, so
1: that's it's, the end. It's not. But I totally agree with you. It was only about the murders, not about the why, not about
0: the before. Yeah, it was like not detective, about, the detective side. Yeah,
1: like I want to know what shaped him into this. But what bothered me most mm-hmm. is the women who were attracted to him. Uh, like I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum. <laughs> but if your yum is a serial rapist, torturer, and murderer – Please, babe, and I say this with only concern and kindness in my sweet little heart, <laughs> seek professional help. That's another level.
0: Yeah, I. that part made me very mad. Um, ladies, do better. Do it. And stop saying murderers are hot. He's, oh my God, have you seen his fucking teeth? Richard Ramirez was identified by his extreme body odor and his stank breath. So if you're sending him nudes in jail, I mean, what do you think he fucking sounds on. like, dude? terrible that the guy in the library remember he was like yeah. he smelled really bad and that's how he recognized him.
1: and they found out his name because he had such bad teeth yeah that he had to get them
0: all replaced or whatever the, yeah the dentist's office that they screwed that up because oh my god don't even yeah <laughs> that's a whole other well, we're not thing, even getting into it we're not i will say in different circumstances he would be a very good looking man he okay <sighs>
1: taking the whole murder rapey situation out yeah. of it um is he beautiful yeah his face when he closes his mouth when he closes his mouth his cheekbones his jawline his squinty Mm. eyes he's very beautiful yeah but remember
0: he murdered 13 people he raped
1: an old woman
0: yeah and and tried
1: to kill her and and children he had no mo yeah just anyone he's a fucking psychopath and he's a terrible person right
0: i mean keep it in your pants okay for real
1: But let's stop talking about that
0: because we could go on forever and ever. We should do like a whole episode about, well, we probably will. Let's be honest. We're going to get to him sooner or later. We will eventually. And I
1: promise you it will be more than what they gave you from Netflix. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I guess since we are talking about murderers, let's talk about our subject for the day. Another murderer, Harvey Glattman. I had never, ever heard of Harvey Glattman until my partner told me about him. I don't Mm -hmm. know about you.
0: Um, Nope. Never heard of him.
1: But we were doing that thing that everyone does when you get into your bed with just full intention of going to sleep. But then you're on your phone for like an hour and a half and then it's
0: 1am and then you regret every decision you've ever made. Yeah. I know that game. I mean, honestly, who doesn't? I've actually gone as far as to put blue light glasses on my nightstand. Because I know my phone will be directly in my face as I'm about to go to bed, and I want to prevent that. Absolutely. I was neck
1: deep in TikTok sea shanties. What is a TikTok sea
0: shanty? It's so hard to say. Say that. Yeah, say that 12 times fast. Well,
1: if you haven't been on TikTok lately. I have never been on TikTok, so. Okay, well, first off, (laughs) wow, you probably don't waste as much time as I do. (laughs) There is this thing going around where people are singing sea shanties, oh. and then it's amazing. I'll show you when we're done recording. Okay. It's full and amazing, and then people add their voices to it.
0: What is a sea shanty? Like,
1: um, you know, if like you're a pirate, and you're like at sea, and you're singing a
0: song. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, well, it's this whole thing that's cool now. They just make up songs. Yeah, it's amazing, though. <laughs> no, I swear to is. you. It's honestly, it's incredible. <laughs> So, we're watching um, all these TikTok sea shanties okay. when John, my partner, um, casually mentions to me, did you know my aunt was murdered without even looking up from his fucking phone? Oh, shit. No. So, I watched, like, mm, I don't know, two more shanties. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, what? And then he told me that his great aunt, his dad's aunt, was oh, murdered shit. by this guy called the Glamour Girl Slayer. Mm harvey glattman right so we googled him and her picture was the second picture to pop up i was totally speechless which is so much because i'd never fucking showed up <laughs> but i love it that's what we love about you oh thank you but then i started thinking about how we all know someone who was murdered mm-hmm. or we all know someone who knows someone who was murdered right. it's like that six degrees of kevin bacon thing but it's only two degrees of death i don't know it just it really bothered me so i asked him what he thought about us looking into the case, yeah. and he said he would absolutely love it oh. if we brought light
0: to this very little-known serial killer. Yeah. Yeah, when you told me that you wanted to do the murderer of John's great-aunt, I my first reaction was just like, what? Yeah. Like, his great-aunt was murdered? Yeah. I mean, it's... Pretty messed up when you think about it.
1: So I guess, um, without further ado, let's talk about this woman-murdering shitbag in true QU fashion <laughs> with tons of scrutiny, tons of victim recognition, and more
0: than a fair amount of ad hominems. You guys listening know that we love to bully murderers. We are the bully
1: murderers.
0: Because, I mean, let's be honest, they're pieces of shit who deserve it. So let's go. Here
1: we go, Harvey Glattman.
0: <laughs> Fucker. All right. <laughs> So, sorry, I said, I'm said i saying the F-word so much. Okay, wait, if you don't know that we say that a lot, then don't listen Spoiler, to it. Spoiler, we have potty mouths. We do. Sorry. All right, ready?
1: Getting into it. Harvey Murray Glattman, lame-ass name, was born <laughs> December 10th, 1927, to Ophelia and Albert Glattman, just a nice Jewish couple in a borough of New York called the Bronx. He was an only child. At the age of three, Harvey started exhibiting... I guess we can say strange behavior. He would put one end of a piece of string in a drawer and then close it. And then he would tie the other end to his penis Uh, and lean on the string to create tension and pulling on
0: his three-year-old penis. I'm sorry. Did you just say that he was at the age of three when he did this?
1: Yeah, I double triple
0: checked it. How the hell does a three-year-old know to do that? I have no idea. But it escalated very quickly
1: to him tying a piece of rope or a belt or a piece of cloth or honestly any sort of long thing around his neck while looping the free end of the rope or whatever to a rafter in his room and pulling on the free end to choke himself all while masturbating. Oh my god. And he was only four years old while he did this. What? What? the fuck. Yeah dude. Was he sexually abused before that? I couldn't find anything about sexual abuse or any I couldn't find anything about his life oh. before this fact.
0: I, I mean I asked because I just I can't wrap my head around a four-year-old somehow getting into autoerotic asphyxiation. I don't know. How do you even know what masturbating is at the age of three, let alone getting into weird kinky sex shit?
1: I have no idea. That's, wow. I feel like
0: that's not normal at all. No. uh, Three-year-olds can barely talk, let alone know what their penis is. Right? That's insane. It's
1: freaking me out. Yeah. It's grossing me out right now. So it was Ophelia, his mom, who walked in on him doing this. And she first realized that her son had sadomasochistic tendencies. Like, you think, girl? Right. For our listeners who don't know, sadomasochism is when a person gets sexual gratification from the hurting of others or the hurting of themselves, either physically or mentally. In 1938, when Harvey was just 12 years old... His parents came home to find Harvey's neck extremely red and swollen. He had given himself rope burn. When his parents asked him what the heck happened, he said point blank that he was in the bathtub. And then he put a rope around his neck. And then he ran the other end of the rope down through the drain of the bathtub.
0: And he pulled on it until it was extremely tight. So, it's almost like he's doing these things, but in his mind, he doesn't see them as being strange, or I guess he's not ashamed of them because he just willingly tells his parents. Yeah, he just tells them. It's like, it's not even like a thing that he's like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. He's just like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. So,
1: his mother took him to the family doctor who told her that he would probably grow out of it. Oh,
0: oh, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, spoiler, he did not, in fact, grow out of it. In fact, it got much, much worse, which is why we are talking about him today. The narrator is back at it again. (laughs) Harvey was quoted as saying in a later interview, I don't know how to do a Bronx accent. It seems like I always had a piece of rope in my hands when I was a kid. I guess I was just kind of fascinated with rope. Okay, sure, Harvey. Fascinated uh, by rope or a fucking freak?
0: Right, yeah. Uh, or the sexual pleasure you got out of choking yourself. But yeah, maybe you just really liked rope. Yeah, he was just a big fan of rope. <laughs> he loved it. Big rope guy.
1: <laughs> when Harvey's dad caught him masturbating, he decided it was time to move the entire family to Denver, Colorado, because this was the last straw. See, his dad was convinced that masturbating not only caused acne, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? I know, tell that to the pimples on my face, <laughs> of which Harvey was absolutely plagued with, but it also meant that his son was, quote, queer. What? And his dad wanted none of this. Ugh. So he moved them to the most heteronormative state in the <laughs> union that he could think of
0: Colorado. Okay, so. Harvey was a pizza face, like Bob Hansen. This is giving me big Bob Hansen vibes. Big Bob Hansen Mm -hmm. vibes. He probably also blamed his pimples for why he murdered women. He didn't murder women. He just really liked rope. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry I said that. Don't be ridiculous. That was ridiculous.
1: So the whole family is in Denver, and Harvey's enrolled in the junior high school there, where he had basically zero friends. Harvey was a very weird kid if... You didn't already pick up on that. Right. Also, he was just super goofy looking. He had tons of acne. He had huge
0: teeth and really, really big ears, which he never grew into. You know, now that we're talking about it, sounds a lot like baby dick Bob Hansen.
1: Yeah, dude. Baby bitch Bob.
0: <laughs> baby bitch. Is that what we called him? I don't remember. Baby bitch. I think we did. Which I'm sorry. It's it's sad when kids get bullied. And yeah. Kids can definitely be cruel. Oh, yeah. I mean, every I feel like everyone probably has been bullied to some extent in their life, but that doesn't give you the reason to murder people. So I don't feel bad about making fun of him. No, I don't either. So, Fuck you, yeah, Harvey yeah.
1: Latman, and your stupid pimply face, big ear, bitch ass, mugging fucking right. mouth. Exactly. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I'm just so angry. <laughs> okay. Anyways, the kids were ruthless and they made fun of him like mad, like we are about to do and will continue to do Sweet. for the next hour or so. Got to. Got to. It's okay to bully murderers.
0: You got to. That's the
1: only person it's okay to murder.
0: Like, if you're going to bully anyone in your life,
1: bully a murderer. Bully murderers. Okay. He was totally intimidated by all the other children, especially the girls. And he would get super shy and blush when he was around them, which drew more ridicule. And at this point, I will be honest, I felt bad for him reading this. (sighs) I know, I know, I know. But he looks like a hobbit and he's being bullied. <laughs> yeah. But also, there's something seriously mentally unstable about yeah, him. That's he's him. super young. He's doing some really weird shit. Again, not to yuck anyone's yum here. Is that your new saying? I like it. It's fun. <laughs> yuck my yum. Yuck yeah. anyone's yum. I'm not here to yuck your yum, Nick. Okay, cool. You can be into just whatever you want to be. Oh, for sure. As long as it's consensual, 100%. but I don't know. Four seems really fucking young to be doing some of the shit that he was doing. Even 12, to me, is too young, to yeah. be honest. I don't I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying.
0: Someone had to teach him that. Yeah. I don't see how a, th- a three-year-old just picks up a rope and ties it around his penis for fun and then decides that he likes it and then escalates it all by the age of four. Like I said, three-year-olds can barely talk, let alone know how to masturbate. Harvey, the troubled
1: youth that he was, began breaking and entering into houses around his neighborhood in heteronormative Denver. <laughs> he would take a little trophy from each house and bring it home with him, which is Serial Killer one oh one. Yep. He also started to follow women on the street. Mm. Remember he's twelve years old. Holy shit. Sometimes he would follow them home. Sometimes he would follow them home and force his way into their houses at gunpoint using the twenty-six caliber handgun that he had taken as a trophy from one of his other b and Jeez. He forced one woman into her bedroom. He tied her wrists up with rope. He gagged her. He unbuttoned her blouse and he fondled her breasts.
0: Then he just left. And again, 12 years old. Ew, what a creep. Also, it makes me shudder to know... Just the thought of him starting off really small. Clearly, there's enough around him. People know he's a weirdo. Like, yeah. No one did anything to stop him before it eventually got to murder.
1: So, yeah, at this time, he also starts choking himself at home more and more. He strings himself up in the attic by the rafters. Always a sucker for autoerotic asphyxiation. Mom. His mom is just totally fed up with her son doing this weird ass shit that she takes him to a psychiatrist, which is amazing. Yeah. And this time, he's prescribed antipsychotic drugs. I have no idea what kind. I tried to find it, couldn't do it. But it was 1940,
0: so honestly, it probably was like chock full of opium or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, good on his mom for doing that, because at least she tried. Mm -hmm. Like, she saw something in him and was like, he's not right. That's not right. And even in the 1940s, when... Mental health was just kind of pushed under the rug. And like you said, the shit that they gave you was to numb the problem. It didn't right. fix anything. Right. But
1: she tried. She tried. Which yeah, is amazing.
0: Good. Harvey, at the behest of his
1: parents, got into some hobbies to maybe take his mind off choking himself and jacking mm. off. Yeah. He becomes a Boy Scout. <laughs> he loves tying rope. What else that's is he going to do? He gets a job as a delivery boy. He Mm -hmm. starts to develop an interest in photography. Just super normal kid stuff, right? Well, in 1944, when Harvey is Mm 17-ish, he gets back into being super fucking scary Mm -hmm. and starts breaking into houses again. This is where he steals a 38 revolver and begins threatening random women on the street with it even robbing some of them of their money. And also sometimes he robs them of their tops. Their tops? Yeah, he takes their shirts. Was it like a trophy thing for him? I think it's like a boob thing. Oh, okay. Like take your shirt off at gunpoint. It's an escalation. And then he's just going to take the shirt. And then he just runs away like a little baby back bitch. Mm. On May 18th of the following year, Harvey is arrested while breaking into an apartment of a woman named Elma Hamum. In his pockets, the police find a gun, a very long piece of robe. And also, he just confesses straight out, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I did this one, and then I also did a whole
0: bunch of other burglaries. They're like, we didn't ask you about that, but sure, tell us more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He just totally gives himself up. (laughs) He is charged with first-degree robbery, but he gets out on May 21st when his parents bail him out of jail. Mm. Just 28 days later, Harvey stalks a woman named Noreen Laurel, he forces her into his car at gunpoint. He drives her out to the desert, ties her up, molests her. I saw that it specifically was not rape. He just, like, weirdly fondled her body oh, okay. and, like, was very into touching her thighs and weird shit. Yeah. And then he, I mean, he assaults her, but not rapes her. Yeah. And then he drives her home. Hmm. She immediately calls the police. Yeah. She picks Harvey's face out of a series of mugshots, and he's arrested shortly after this time he is diagnosed with schizophrenia which at the time was actually called split personality
0: disorder i'm surprised that they even considered that a medical diagnosis back in those times like i'm it's surprising to me that they had a term for that you know yeah
1: i know it's so weird to see how quickly mental, like mental health and yeah. that whole medical situation advanced within like the last 60 years yeah It's insane. And it's
0: still, even now, Oh, for good reason, obviously.
1: Well, he continued to break and enter, as well as sexually assault women at gunpoint. He was described by one victim, I absolutely love this, (laughs) as skinny, a jug-eared teen with a, quote, chipmunk face. She said he was an absolute loser.
0: chipmunk face. Oh, my God. That, you know what? That is spot on because I looked up pictures of him. And Uh honestly, you know what he looks like to me after hearing the chipmunk face? He looks like Peter Pettigrew in Harry Potter. But when he's like in the middle of transforming into a rat. Oh, yeah. That is Harvey Gladman to a T. It absolutely is, and I love that you tied it into HP. I have
1: to tie everything into real house.
0: What I need to do.
1: Well, we'll post pictures of him on
0: yes. our social means.
1: He's a fucking loser. One hundred percent. He's the worst. <laughs> when Harvey was eighteen, he was arrested after tying up and sexually assaulting one of his classmates at gunpoint, which landed him in Colorado State Prison. After being paroled just eight months into his one to five year sentence. Harvey's mom, Ophelia, decided that just the two of them should get out of town for a while, and they moved back to New York. Basically, the very next day, in August of 1946, he robbed a young couple named Thomas Stardo and Doris Thorne at gunpoint. He tied Thomas up, and he threatened to kill Doris. His gun, which, by the way, was fake, but I guess it looked super real, so he held them at gunpoint with this fake-ass gun, mm-hmm. while he was molesting Doris. Thomas managed to untie the rope around his wrist, and he lunged at Harvey. Nice. Harvey slashed at Thomas with his pocket knife, cutting him on the shoulder, and then he ran away into the night like a little
0: bitch. Well, yeah, because his gun was fake, and the dude could probably kick his ass because he was a scrawny. Yeah, little bitch.
1: One night, not long after this, Harvey decided to take a little trip to Albany where he took his toy gun and he, (laughs) so funny, isn't it? So funny. And he robbed a nurse named Florence Hadid. His plan was to sexually assault her after tying her wrists together, but this plan was foiled when she started screaming, so he just ran away like the little bitch that he was. The very next night, he mugged two middle-aged women named Evelyn Burge and Beverly Goldstein with the help of his little fake gun. (laughs) The women reported the attack to the police, who immediately put out a bulletin for his arrest. Just two days after this mugging, Harvey was picked up by police just as he was following a woman into an alleyway. Inside of his pockets, they found, surprise, his little toy gun... (laughs) A pocket knife and a length of rope. I don't know why that... But
0: that That is he, the fact that he carried a toy gun. Isn't it so funny? It's so funny. And I read that it was a cap gun. Yeah. Do you know what a cap gun is? Uh-huh. Like, you put, like, the fake... And it goes, like, bang. And it, yeah, some it makes, like, fake. <laughs> so, like, in my head, I'm picturing that he bought this cap gun and he either painted it black or mm. colored it black with permanent marker. <laughs> and I don't know why that's so funny to me, but just the thought of him... Carrying a plastic gun, like a toy gun, just cracks me up. It's
1: so funny. And (laughs) Listeners, either Google an image of a Cap gun, or if you have an iPhone, they changed the gun emoji from a real gun to that of a Cap gun. Oh, did they? It's It's like like a green one. Yeah,
0: I was going to say the ones I've seen have been like either neon green or neon orange. Yeah, that's
1: a Cap gun. Yeah,
0: that's why he had a painted
1: black. Yeah, stupid idiot. (laughs) Two months later, in October of 1946, he was just 19 years old, by the way. Harvey was sentenced to 5 to 10 years at Elmira Reformery after accepting a guilty plea to reduce his charge. While there, the prison's psychiatrist described him as, quote, psychopathic personality schizophrenic type, having sexually perverted impulses as the basis of his criminality. He was transferred to Sing Sing Correctional to complete the rest of his
0: sentence after that. While at Sing
1: Sing, which is just the cutest name for a prison ever,
0: when I was reading your section, it, I was yeah. it just made me think of Breakfast at Tiffany's because she goes to Sing Sing, yeah, and I love that movie. But it's
1: just so yeah. cute Sing
0: Sing. I like remember seeing that movie and having to look that up because I was like, "What is Sing Sing?" It's just but like it's a, a
1: cute little maximum security, cute prison. little prison. Yeah, you know. While at Sing Sing, the cutest little correctional facility ever, the resident psychiatrist had this to say about our sweet little. Baby bitch Harvey Glattman. He is psycho educated and, if still antisocial, should be segregated even if schizophrenia does not seem developed. Okay. So the psychiatrist is recommending that he is kept away from all other people, as they usually do. Well, despite this, Harvey won parole less than three years into his sentence and he was released into the custody of his parents at the age of 21. Why does
0: that always happen? It's like a psychiatrist will say, this man is insanely ill, and he's a huge danger to to society, and then the warden's just like, oh, release him to the world. It's fine. Release the crises! <laughs> Seriously, though. Yeah. All the time. It always
1: happens. The family then moved back to Denver, where Harvey would live for over five years, working odd jobs and. In- remaining on probation until his father's death in 1952. Once his parole was over, Harvey skipped town to Los Angeles in 1957, where he would go from simply being a sick little fuck to a straight-up serial killer.
0: (laughs) Well, when Harvey moved to LA, he found work as a TV repairman and started to hang out in some creepy camera clubs, which... What? I guess it's a place where weirdos shoot art pictures of naked models, according to the article that I read. Okay, it sounds weird. It's very weird. Like, the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. But pretty on brand. Very on brand for Harvey. (laughs) Being L.A., all of these women had come to the area to try to become actresses or models, and they just wanted to be famous. You know, that's why everyone goes to L.A. Got to. Just want to be famous. But in order to be famous, they still needed to make a living. So in order to make their money, they did it any way they could. And some of them would just end up sort of selling their bodies to these weird camera club guys. I guess it's better
1: to just be photographed naked than like
0: really anything else. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to make it, trying to do whatever you can. You know what? We're not here to judge. You do what you gotta do. Do what you gotta do. It was at these clubs that Glattman started using the pseudonym Johnny Glenn. What a dumb fake name. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. All of his names are pretty stupid. They're so bad. Also, my dad's middle name is Glenn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not stupid. But this is where he met a young and naive 19-year-old woman named Judy Dull. And he told her that he worked as a freelance photographer for a true detective magazine. And he asked her if she wanted to pose for it. Okay. He told her he would pay her $50 for her work, which in today's money is $450. Oh, shit. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So obviously she agreed. I would. Harvey brought her to his apartment and he told her that he needed to bind and gag her for the shoot. Because remember, he said it was a true detective magazine. Right. Right. So he bound and he gagged her, and he stated that he wanted her to act terrified as if she were about to be brutally raped. Um, yeah, that's that's my reaction, too. But remember, this was 1957. Okay. So we have to just keep that in mind. That's true. You would think at this point, Judy would be like, I need to get the hell out of here. Right. But no. Remember, Gladman was a huge loser, and he looked like Peter Pettigrew <laughs> mid-transformation. He was also very skinny, so she probably just thought, eh, I could take this guy. Like, he's a wimp. I, Whatever. I th- $450. That's a lot of money. I know for a fact that you
1: and I constantly say, we could take that guy.
0: Oh, <laughs> All the time. It's like a thing we do. Every, every person I see, I distinguish whether or not I can fight them. If we know you... <laughs> This goes for online, real life, just so
1: everyone knows. (laughs) We've thought about if we can fight you or not and win. We have openly discussed (laughs) whether or not we could physically fight you. And usually we win in our (laughs) minds.
0: So (laughs) there's also that. Well, that's what this girl, Judy Dell, was thinking. Exactly. So Harvey Glattman sat her down in an armchair. He tied her up and he started to take his pictures. And at first things were going pretty well. That is, until he pulled out a real gun. Oh, the cap gun was sleeping. So he... Yeah, he left the cap gun in New York. Oh, right. It was then that he untied her restraints and instructed her to strip for him, promising her that he wouldn't hurt her just as long as she played along with his little sick fantasy or whatever. Harvey then raped her multiple times. Great. And when night came around, he told her that he was going to drive her out to the sticks far away and that he was going to give her some bus fare so that she could make her way back to the city what a weird thing to say to a person right instead he drove her out to the desert strangled her to death with a sash cord and he then proceeded to take pictures of her dead body he then left her there to rot and to be eaten by wildlife in a shallow grave wow so, this was his first victim. Mm-hmm. So, before
1: this, he went through phases where he was breaking and entering and pushing limits. Right. He was touching women without their permission, pushing mm-hmm. limits. He was kidnapping women but taking them home, pushing limits. Yeah. So, there's kind of like a pattern that serial killers go through. I know you know this, Nicole, yeah. and I'm sure most of our listeners right. do also. Yeah. But the first kill is always, like, really important. Yeah. It's where they take their fantasies over
0: the edge and they actually do it. They finally act on it and it sets the stage for what they're going to do from there on up. So. Right. After that, in March of 1958, so this is seven months later. So he waited seven months. Harvey had organized a date with a woman named Shirley Ann Bridgeford, which... Is John's great aunt. Is Noelle's partner, John, his great aunt. Yeah. He had actually gotten Shirley's name from a Lonely Hearts Club in Hollywood, which is just a club for people who are trying to just meet other people. I had to look it up because I wasn't sure what a Lonely Hearts Club was, but it's kind of like the first Tinder before phones when you actually had to be face to face to try to get to know someone.
1: Yes. Can I put in some personal information about her really quick? Yeah, please do. So I was talking to John about this woman who, again, is his dad's aunt. Yeah. Um, and he said that she was married before and that she went through like a very, like, mm-hmm. she went through a divorce. Yeah, so she, was she was a divorcee. Yeah, so she was alone. Um but I think you're going to get into that a little bit. So, But anyway, she was lonely. She was alone and she was just looking for company like any
0: person has a right to do. Exactly. So she joined this Lonely Hearts Club just trying to find someone to, you know, talk to, get to know. Except Harvey didn't go by his real name oh, when surprise. he joined this club. Yeah. He went under the name of George Williams. What a dumb fake Another name. stupid so name. So stupid. At the time, Shirley was 24 years old. She was a divorcee, she had two sons, and she just joined the Lonely Hearts Club, hoping to re- to meet the right man. Every time you say Lonely Hearts Club, it reminds me
1: of that Beatles album, Sgt. Pepper, Lonely Hearts Club Land. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i just i'm sorry there's no there's no actual conclusion to that story just It just every time you say it you. it reminds me of it
0: shirley wasn't looking for mr perfect she wasn't trying to find prince charming really all she really wanted to do was to try to get back in the into the dating game a single woman with children was not great in the public eye exactly and mm-hmm. honestly reading what i did she probably just said yes to Harvey because she felt sorry for him and maybe she wanted it as like a practice date because yeah, all of the pictures that I saw, she is way cuter than him and could 100% do way better than his ugly ass. Just oh, going to put that out there. Yeah,
1: she was, um, according to John, she was an aspiring model.
0: Is that why she was in L.A.? Mm-hmm. Well, that I makes mean, she's sense. She's a freaking hottie with a body. She is. She was a very attractive woman. So Harvey Glattman promised to take her to dinner, and then the plan was after that that they were going to go square dancing. Nice. So to her, it was just going to be a fun night out on the town with a new person just getting away from her kids and her life, you know? Right. Harvey Glattman showed up to her house in Sun Valley on March 7th at 7.45 p.m. to pick her up. He was met at her house by her two boys and a couple of relatives at the door, And after greeting them politely, he picked up Shirley and they got into the car and they left, which to me makes him an even bigger piece of shit because he knew this woman was a mother and he just didn't care. Yeah, he just didn't care at all. Yeah. When Shirley got into the car, Harvey asked her if she would be upset if they skipped out on square dancing because... He told her that he had a headache and he just wanted to drive through the country instead and then maybe grab dinner on the way. Shirley obliged, and they drove to Oceanside for dinner. Once they had dinner, they got back into the car, and Harvey continued just to drive on. They say at this point he hadn't decided if he was going to kill her or not. To him, Shirley was different than the rest of his victims because she was a mother. She, You said she was an aspiring model, yeah. but I don't think she was actively... No, she wasn't actually a model. At yeah, this she point. wasn't with an agency or anything. She wasn't a stripper. She didn't have men come over and take pictures of her naked. So, to him, that made her more respectable because, you know, men seem to think that they can do whatever the hell they want to a woman if she's a sex worker or if she dances for a living. Yeah. It's just disgusting. Right. It's just it, a thing.
1: It goes back to that less than human ideal yes. that a lot of serial killers have.
0: Yes. Mm hmm anyways since he considered her what he called a good girl he was contemplating killing her but he was ultimately overcome with his disgusting urges so harvey drove to the velocito mountains near anza state park and stopped the car on the side of the road where he pulled out his 32 browning automatic and he told her to undress he then proceeded to rape her two times in the back of the seat at gunpoint Afterwards, he forced her out of the car and bound and gagged her. He took pictures of her nude and also dressed, which is the picture that you showed me. That's like the iconic picture that comes up when you search him. Mm -hmm. Harvey even waited until the sun came up so he could take pictures of her in the daylight. After ultimately strangling her, Harvey then took pictures of Shirley's dead body and he even posed her in different positions while she was dead.
1: That's so fucked up, dude. So he picks her up, sees her children, drives her into the desert. She's out with him for like 10 hours until the sun rises when he can get a better shot.
0: Yep. It's so sick. After that, in July of 1958, just four months later... 24-year-old Ruth Mercado, or Angela Rojas, as she went by when she was doing her modeling gigs. She was also an aspiring model. Harvey called the agency that she worked for under the name of Frank Wilson. What a dumbass. Another stupid-ass name. name. So stupid. (laughs) And he claimed that he needed a model that he just needed to pose for some fashion layouts. Harvey came to Ruth's house to look at her portfolio And they talked a little bit, decided on a price. Once inside, Harvey pulled out his gun and forced her into the bedroom where he ordered her to strip. Ruth took off her clothes and Harvey bound and raped her repeatedly. He then instructed her to get dressed because he said that they were going to go on a picnic. Can you, I can't even imagine,
1: but can you imagine you get raped and bound by this man who Mm you thought was just a cool guy, like trying to trying hire to get you for a job. Yeah. And then he's all, "Let's go on a picnic."
0: It was also what a psycho in the middle of the night, so she at that point knew yeah. it wasn't going to end well for her. I'm sure. So once she was dressed, he tied her hands up again and led her to the car and they headed towards Santa Ana where Harvey found a quiet spot in the desert. And he pulled over and he led Ruth out of the car with her hands still bound. Harvey proceeded then to rape her again in the desert. He made her pose for his sick souvenir pictures and then strangled her, leaving her body to be picked apart by buzzards. Like the others, he posed her dead body in several different positions and took more pictures for his sick collection. Which, if you're paying attention, this was his M.O. Oh, absolutely. It's what he did. Like, to a T. Harvey Glattman, so besides the three women that we just talked about, he's also suspected of killing another woman in Boulder, Colorado in Mm. 1954. Hikers actually came across the body of a woman who was later dubbed Boulder Jane Doe. The identity of this woman remained unknown for 55 years until October 2009, when a DNA match was found by Dr. Terry Melton of Mitotyping Technologies in State College, Pennsylvania. How incredible is that? At the forensics and just everything about forensics just is fascinating. fascinating. It's amazing. So they identified Boulder Jane Doe as an 18-year-old girl from Phoenix, Arizona named Dorothy Gay Howard. At the time, Harvey Gladman was in Colorado and was known to drive a 1951 Dodge Coronet, which is the type of car that forensics said could have hit her and killed her. So he did this one, too. So he did this one. It's it's assumed that he did this, yes. So he didn't officially admit to it, because yeah. I think they figured out the DNA after oh, everything. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. But suspected that it was him. So he has, we'll say, we'll
1: just give it to him. He has four murders under his belt of very young, beautiful women. Yep. So with these murders under his belt, obviously, he was feeling confident and arrogant, as a serial killer is known to be. Yeah. This is when he met Lorraine Vigil, the woman who would stop his murder spree dead in its tracks. Hell yeah. Remember when we did the Bob Hansen story, that mm-hmm. serial killer from Alaska? Hell yeah. And there was that incredible woman, Cindy Paulson, yes. who took his ass down. Mm-hmm. This reminds me 100% of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, Cindy Paulson is an absolute hero, and we love her for it. So. She's amazing. She's amazing. In October of 1958,
1: Harvey Glattman was working with the Diane Studio, which was a modeling agency, mm-hmm. under the name of Frank Johnson. Another stupid-ass name. The stupidest name. <laughs> It was here that he was introduced to 28-year-old Lorraine Vigil, a first-time model. The agency told Lorraine that the photographer, Frank, which was definitely his real name, would pick her up at her apartment at 8 p.m. that night for a photo shoot. Which, get this part, is so infuriating to me. The agency had warned Lorraine to be careful of the photographer, as they knew him as an amateur not a professional. They told her that he might just be taking photos for his own private weirdo collection and not some sort of publication, so watch
0: out. Uh, and they still set her up with this guy. I yeah. I don't know who out there needs to hear this, but if you get a feeling about a person or an event or anything in your life, do not ignore that feeling because it can save your life And I just feel like a lot of people don't trust their intuition, and it just amazes me. I always
1: trust my intuition. always
0: have to. Always trust your intuition.
1: And actually, it's so funny that this came up. It's like total synchronicity to me. Yeah. I was talking to my friend earlier today who's a gastroenterologist, Mm -hmm. and she was saying that one of the first things that they do when you have super intense gut issues like GERD or IBS or something like that Mm -hmm. is to prescribe a low-dose antidepressant. Hmm. She said that the gut has more neurons than the brain does. And oftentimes, the gut senses changes in your body and your environment before the brain has time to register them. No shit. Mm -hmm. So when your gut isn't doing well, it's not healthy. You can suffer from depression fueled by the neurons in your stomach. Wow. Even though your brain chemicals are totally fine, which I guess is just a super long-winded way of saying that your gut is like a second brain.
0: And you need
1: to trust it completely when it's sending you warning signals. If your stomach can give you depression, yeah. your stomach can warn you of danger. Well, there's
0: that saying too, trust your gut. Yeah, absolutely. It comes
1: from directly this. Yeah. So it seems like there was absolutely no regulation or even no. care at all in this industry yeah. at this time. Like what photographer goes to your house at 8 p.m. anyways for a shoot? Yeah, that's very weird. Definitely 1958. <laughs> terrible but Lorraine was desperate for a paying gig which I get that's the thing she needed something to kick off her modeling career so she took the job anyways sure enough Harvey picked her up at 8 p.m and Lorraine just got right into his car once in the car Lorraine asked him where they were going and what they were doing for the shoot she kind of had a feeling and she was you know checking him out like we were just talking about Annoyed by the questions, Harvey turned very sharply, crossing two lanes of traffic and exclaiming that they had a flat tire and they needed to fix it at that exact Mm, moment. That's a red flag. He had pulled over on the side of the Santa Ana freeway to tie her up and gag her, but Lorraine fought back. She grabbed the gun by the muzzle and she tried to take it from Harvey. He tried to convince her like he had done before. That he wouldn't kill her if she
0: had just let go of the gun. Yeah, okay. That seems like his move. Right. Like, don't, don't... trust murderers. No, No. Never. never trust someone who's trying to hurt you.
1: No, if someone pulls a gun, do not trust them. No. And she didn't. She was not buying it. She tried harder to wrestle the gun away from him. Harvey accidentally fired the gun in the struggle, shooting through Lorraine's skirt and grazing her thigh. Thinking quickly... Oh. Lorraine bit down hard into Harvey's hand, and he let go of the gun instantly. The two tumbled out of the car, and Lorraine was now in control. With the gun squarely pointed at Harvey's face, she held him there
0: momentarily. Yes. Ladies, always fight back. They don't expect you to always fight back. Chances are they're going to kill you. If you die fighting back, at least you die trying. Yeah, at least you tried. He tried to grab her,
1: but she ran away with the gun towards the nearest traffic light. He jumped into his car and he started chasing her down. The cops pulled in front of Harvey's car. Lorraine dropped the gun and she ran towards the police car. The cops briefly got Lorraine's side of the story while Harvey just sat there in his car like a cowering idiot. (laughs) He didn't even try to leave. And then he was arrested for attempted kidnapping.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, he just got beat by a girl and he was ashamed of it. Yeah, he just sat there like crying
1: or I don't fucking know, idiot. whatever. Fuck what you, idiot. Harvey. Once in custody and back at the police station, Harvey was questioned in relation to other unsolved murders of young women in the area. He denied it for, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. That <laughs> I just made that up, but barely anything. He's like, I didn't do that. Don't be ridiculous. And then he finally just gave in without much of a fight. He confessed to all the murders, Judith Dull, Ruth Mercado, and Shirley mm-hmm. Ann Bridgeford, which, remember, kind of a tie back to the beginning of this episode when he got arrested for one B&E, and he's like, oh, yeah, I also did all these other ones. Yeah, right. He just tells everyone everything. Yeah. So he's so stupid. He has no shame. He's no, terrible. He's, he's a t- sociopath. Absolutely. He told police that they would never have any evidence to tie him to the victims if they never found his special toolbox. So the police were like, okay, dude, um, I'm sorry. N- literally no one but you brought up this special <laughs> toolbox. So basically, you just totally confess to this. And now you're like, well, you're never going to find what I did unless you find my toolbox, which is located at my address. And the police were like, okay, well, can we see your special toolbox? And he was like, oh, yeah, for sure. It's in my apartment. Here's my address. It's underneath my bed. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. (laughs) So the cops went to his apartment, and there it was, exactly like he said it would be, a box full of photos that he had shot with his own camera and developed himself in his makeshift darkroom. So he's ugly and he's dumb. It's like a double whammy. Stupid. Disgusting. I'm (laughs) rolling my eyes so hard right now. The police got a recorded confection, and they began a very short investigation, followed by a very short trial.
0: I want to also point out that Harvey was dubbed the Lonely Hearts Killer yeah. and the Glamour Girl Slayer, which uh-huh. lets, as a society, decide to stop giving serial killers such, like, metal-ass cool names. Oh, yeah, dude. Preach. Like the Night Stalker. So cool! There's a meme, or I think it's a tweet or something, and it's like, uh, let's start giving serial killers oh, yeah. names like the penis maniac instead. I think we've posted that. I'm so on board with that. So I think that we should give Harvey Glattman a more fitting name, like, uh, I don't know, maybe we, uh... the chipmunk dick strangler? Oh, I like it. Or uh, um, the
1: rope the pocket rope oh, let me think the pocket rope dumbo eared murderer <laughs> the cap gun crusader there it is he's just the lamest friggin' lamo. o stupid as shit he's terrible one thing that i do want to point out before nicole tells us more about the evidence in the trial is the way that lorraine vigil would be treated by the press when everything was released so this came out after Harvey was arrested and everything was, like, in the news. Mm-hmm. Instead of being praised for taking down a serial killer and being just a fucking badass bitch, yeah, she was ridiculed. Oh. A report said that she knew Harvey Glattman was an ex-con, but she accepted the modeling job anyways. This began to circulate through the press, painting her in a dark and... They kind of made it seem like a dirty light, mm-hmm. if you will. She was fired from her day job for her newfound notoriety and publicly embarrassed for being out with an unsavory man so late at night.
0: That's absolutely disgusting. And I want to point out that he confessed to all of those crimes. Yeah. So it's not like he was on trial and it was like, did he do it? Did he not do it? It was like 100% he did it.
1: Yeah. He's like, I I did it. Here's my special tool. And they were
0: still treating her like this. That's... Yeah. She should have known she might be murdered because he was blaming. an ex-con?
1: They were victim blaming.
0: Yeah, they're going to blame the victim here. And I mean, what about the freaking photography studio who knew he was a weirdo? Yeah. How is she at fault for trying to make it in modeling? It's just I hate this world. Yeah, girl's Same.
1: Well, she was quoted as saying, "I didn't know he was an ex-convict. If I had, I certainly wouldn't have agreed to pose for him." Which I'm sure she was just like, are you fucking kidding? I looked her up to see if I could find out what happened to her after all of this. Yeah. Just to, I don't know, maybe she like became a caped like vigilante or something Mm -hmm. and like murdered men in their houses. That would be awesome. I don't know. But all I did find was that one, she is an Aquarius. Her birthday was February 17th. So obviously she's amazing. And also she passed away at the age of 76 in December of 2005 in Denver, Colorado.
0: Oh, RIP.
1: But think about how recent this is. She was only 76 in 2005. Yeah. So
0: this happened Very. like
1: no time at all ago. Yeah. Like 60 years ago.
0: Okay. Well, do we want to talk about the trial and the execution? Please. Okay. Okay. As Noel mentioned, Harvey confessed to everything, and he even decided to tell the police where they could find his sick collection of photography trophies. Basically, when they interrogated him, he cracked like an egg, gave himself away, and the police had no idea that this toolbox even existed. But once he outed himself, they played along with it, kind of like they had it the whole time. Like, yeah, we know about that toolbox. Yeah. We've seen it. He's so bad at crime. So bad. They actually, when they went to his house, they found the toolbox and they found a sick theme with each of the victims that he had photographed. So first he would take a picture of them smiling, looking, you know, normal, just as if it were like a normal modeling session. Then he would have pictures of them alive and in terror while bound and gagged. And then, finally, he would photograph their dead bodies in poses that he arranged after he murdered them. Right, so he was a... he did a whole process? Yeah. Harvey was arrested and taken to the San Diego courthouse, but he wasn't jailed at first. The detectives wanted him to lead them to the bodies, I mean, at this point, the case was pretty cut and dry, but the detectives wanted the bodies to make sure that there was absolutely no chance of this man getting off.
1: Which also reminds me of Bob Hansen. Exactly. Yeah, it's weird.
0: just like that Taylor Swift song, No Body, No Crime. Exactly, like she wrote that song about this crime. I mean, and they just wanted to cover all their bases here. And I'm sure the families wanted to bury their loved ones because put them to rest. Oh, yeah. That's obviously... So the detectives put Harvey in a car, and they told him to show them where he had left the bodies. And Harvey was able to give them exact locations. He first brought them to Shirley Bridgeford, whose remains were now just pretty much bones after being picked apart by wild animals. But there was enough for forensics to confirm that it was, in fact, the body of Shirley. Terrible. Terrible. Further down the road, Harvey brought them to the body of Ruth Mercado. Harvey told them that this was Angela Rojas. Her body was in a similar manner, mostly bones because she had been eaten by wild animals as well. Another similarity to Bitch Boy Bob Hansen. Yeah. Remember how he left his victims out in the Alaskan wilderness?
1: I just feel like he didn't do it on purpose like Bob Hansen did. I feel like he did it because he was so just physically weak that he couldn't dig a grave yeah, because, I, like, a shovel was too heavy for him to pick <laughs> on. So he couldn't do it, so he didn't hide their
0: bodies. Right. And he was lazy, too. So he's oh. just like, mm, nature, take hold. I gotta go. And then he just ran away like a little bitch. By this time, it was already morning. So after they had found the body of Ruth and they had found the body of Shirley, so they took him back to the jail And they decided that they were just going to continue the next day. So the next day, Harvey led the detectives to the body of Judy Dull, which was his first victim, while he was living in L.A. But there was not much for them to find because her body was mostly gone, and the only thing that they could find was just literally shredded bits of clothing. Wow, but he still brought them to the site of her body. And I think that they were able to test DNA to show that, The clothing that they found was hers. Yeah. I mean, they knew, and he brought her and said, this is where she was. She was missing. So they tied it all together. Exactly. On Monday, November 3rd, 1958, Harvey was officially arrested in San Diego County, where his trial would take place, though many other counties wanted his case. Orange County wanted it for Lorraine Vigil. Riverside wanted it for Judy Dahl. And Los Angeles County just wanted it because most of the victims had been abducted there. But what it actually came down to was that San Diego had two corpses being Shirley and Ruth. So they were the lucky ones that officially got the case.
1: So lucky. Yeah. This is reminding me of the Night Stalker doc. Yeah. It was the same LA County and
0: stuff. All of the different factions of police officers arguing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So if you're in law enforcement, just heed my warning here. Um, me a law enforcement professional um if you are dealing with a murderer or a serial murderer maybe just fucking work together to solve well that was
0: before vicap i don't know if you know vicap is like the system in which it allows all of the police enforcement i guess fbi whatever it's all one system that they, uh, they can all look in yeah which before i don't i think it was maybe the 70s they didn't have that. No, this is all handwritten. Yeah. yeah. So in, the, in police, like you said, with the night soccer, like yeah. the LAPD would be like, well, we don't want to give it to you because this is our case. Yeah. And then the FBI would, you know, like it was everyone just wanted it to be their own thing. They didn't want to give up information. So it hindered basically every investigation.
1: You know who would never, ever hindered investigation by hiding details like that?
0: Detective Gill. Detective Gill and Dale Cooper.
1: Dale Cooper. <laughs> the two best cops to ever exist. The two.
0: Oh, I get a lot of Dale Cooper vibes from, from Gil. From, from Gil. Big Gil. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Good tie into Twin Peaks there. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, DA James Don Keller assembled a prosecution team and they set out to get a recording of Harvey giving them all of the details about the murders. They wanted him to explain how he killed the women, and why he killed them. They also wanted to know what happened and also wanted... To use it to study the mind of a serial killer. His case was actually big too, because they used this footage to sort of understand the mind of a serial killer. I don't yeah. know if you you know about um, those who fight monsters. It's like basically Mind Hunter, the, yeah. the two who created the term of serial killer uh-huh. and actually discovered that it's more of a mental thing instead of just people being like ruthless killers. Yeah. So his case was actually used. This video was used to teach people in the FBI, detectives, to try to get into the mind of a serial killer. That's very cool. It's very, very, very cool. So Harvey was brought into a room where they turned on the recorder and Sergeant Robert Majors told Harvey, Harvey, before you make any statement here that will be recorded on this tape, I would like you to know that everything you say is being recorded and that everything you say here can be held against you in your prosecution for murder. Do you understand that? Harvey nodded and said, yes, sir. And then over four hours, everything was recorded. Harvey explained everything about each murder, and he did not spare any gory detail. Mm -hmm. He talked about his psyche and how killing made him feel. He also talked about how he got the idea to kill and how it just sort of festered in his mind and how he craved sex with women and how he needed to kill them. After the fact, as a way to control them. Oh, you know what? I don't
1: think we mentioned this, but um, his first murder, mm-hmm. Judith Dahl,
0: mm-hmm. he lost his virginity when he raped her. Really? Yeah. 29 years old. Uh, well, it's disgusting to say, but I don't think the only way he was ever going to have sex was if yeah. he forced it on someone. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you just made me think of that when you said how he craved sex, but he couldn't get it because he was a fucking loser and he was right. a weirdo and he was stalking people and yeah, he was just a bad person. Well, so. also
0: the reason why he killed afterwards is because he wanted, it was a way for him to control women. So yeah. if you think in his life, uh-huh. he was never able to control anyone. He right. nobody want, He would ask women out. They wouldn't. They didn't want him. He was unwanted. So he used this as a way... Oh my god, an incel. Yeah, to be, to control the one thing that he couldn't control in his life. Terrible. Harvey spoke clear, and he spoke without any regret, and he was very monotone. So he spoke of his gruesome acts without a shred of distaste, almost as if it were just like a normal thing. Like, a normal Wednesday night kind of reminds me how he spoke to his parents about what he was doing, his autoerotic explicit. Asphyxiation, Mm -hmm. you know, he just said it, didn't really care. Yeah, he has no empathy or, like, idea of right or wrong. Straight up sociopath. Mm -hmm. After his arrest, Harvey pled for death. He gave up everything he had, all the information, because he wanted the death penalty. Weird. Harvey's mom, who was 69 at the time. Nice. (laughs) She came to California to witness her son's trial and was famously quoted as saying, he's not a vicious man. He is sick to the press, which Harvey's defense latched onto and leaned hard into the poor, grieving mother of a son who was mentally ill approach. Well, okay. I'm going to say this.
1: He was sick. He was sick. He was released from prison when he shouldn't have been. Yeah. He didn't get adequate mental health. Yeah.
0: He. The system failed him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day... He was a fucking weirdo, a sick
0: fuck that liked to murder people. And I guarantee you everyone around him caught on to that or knew that he was weird in a sense. There's no way they didn't. He's not a vicious man. I'd say he's a pretty vicious (gasps) man, Mrs. Gladman. When did you think that, Ophelia? When
1: he was um, tying strings to his own penis and slamming drawers with the other end in there when he was three years old? Right. Or when he was choking himself until he passed out? And I don't know, I'm yelling the lyrics to Mama Mia while he did it. <laughs> I don't think Mama, well, Mama Mia is great, so Mama. I don't fault him for that. You're
0: right. You're <laughs> right. Leave that out. Cut that part out. Harvey's defense attorney, Willard Whittinghill, used this approach to try to get Harvey an insanity plea. But that meant that Harvey would have to undergo psychiatric examination by the county psychiatrist. Harvey, at this point, didn't give a shit. As I mentioned before, he. Just straight up wanted to die. Harvey was convinced by his attorney to undergo the examination, and it actually ended up blowing up in their fa- in their faces. Really? Because he was deemed of sound mind and fully aware of his actions. I, I was reading
1: one website that said that he had an extremely high IQ. And that he was fully aware of everything he was doing.
0: Well, the doctor filed a report on December 12th that read, this individual shows no evidence of psychosis. He knows right from wrong, the nature and quality of his acts. And he can keep from doing wrong if he so desires.
1: Yeah, I don't know, though. But yeah, I get it. He wasn't... He's definitely not insane.
0: No, the insanity plea isn't... He's mentally ill, but he's not insane. Right. Oh, yeah. Perfect. There's a difference. Perfect. Don Keller with the DA and the prosecution team had gathered up a slew of witnesses to testify against Harvey for the murders of Ruth Mercado and Shirley Ann Bridgeford, since they were the two that were found in San Diego County. Because in a murder trial, you really only need one murder to convict someone.
1: Yeah. So sometimes they leave murders out that they're not sure they'll be able to get people on.
0: Right. The witnesses actually included relatives of Shirley Ann, so John's, John's relatives, relatives, because they had been at her house at the time when Harvey had picked her up for the date. They saw him, they spoke to him, and they were able to testify that he was in fact the man who picked her up the last time anyone saw her, yeah. which is amazing. Those are John's dad's cousins. His cousins. That's mm. so crazy. Wow. It is weird. The grand jury returned with two counts of murder in the first degree, and the trial began on Monday, December 15th, which is the day before my birthday. Happy birthday. In Department Four of Superior Court. Harvey did not receive a trial in the sense that I think we think of, you know, like say like OJ, where it's a Mm -hmm. trial by your peers, because he had already confessed to these crimes and he had just entered a guilty plea. So his – he had one of two options. It was either life in prison or death. So that's what this trial was set to decide. Okay. They just flipped a coin, I think, actually. (laughs) Well, Lorraine Vigil, the badass that she is, she testified as a witness against Harvey, as did several other detectives who were there when Harvey confessed and when he brought them to the scene of all of the bodies. And obviously, the pictures were brought up and examined in the trial as well. Tons of evidence. Tons of evidence. To put the cherry on top of it all, they played Harvey's taped confession, which brought the courtroom to tears. Oh. And at the end of the session, the judge asked defense attorney Whittinghill if he had anything to add, and he simply replied, no, Your Honor. Wow. How are you going to add anything to that? You're pretty screwed. A mountain of evidence. Yeah. The judge then turned to Glattman and he said, I sat here and listened to those recordings. The manner in which these women were killed. I've never heard anything like it and I hope I never hear anything like it again. The torment, the suffering these women must have endured during the night and in the desert. It must have been horrible.
1: Wow, that gave me goosebumps.
0: He cleared his throat because... He had a lump in his throat, too. And then he continued. At this time, I, having found the defendant guilty of first-degree murder, I will impose the death penalty on him. I think that is the only proper judgment that should be pronounced in this case. Mr. Glattman, may God have mercy on your soul. Damn,
1: dude. That's freaking metal.
0: Gladman was then transferred to death row at San Quentin. The cell he was given would later be inhabited by Charles Manson and then Richard Ramirez. Oh, kind
1: of a hat trick there.
0: Yeah. Oh, and they refused to give him any rope. What? So just being in that cell was just like torture for him, you know, because he oh, loved rope.
1: He loved a good rope. He loved it.
0: He actually got what he wanted in the end, which I think is the easy way out, but yeah. that's a discussion for a whole other day. Yeah. Uh. His execution was scheduled for September 18th, 1959, so less than a year after he was actually arrested. Yeah, this was like one after another. It happened yeah. so fast. bing, bang, boom. He was led to San Quentin's Green Room, where they made him inhale cyanide, and they call it the Green Room because, I looked it up, mm-hmm. it's a seafoam green gas chamber, and you can look it up on Google. That's where I, apparently they murder people in california
1: oh how soothing see if i'm green
0: yeah the procedure took place at 10 a.m and within 12 minutes harvey glattman was pronounced dead which this might be morbid but it came across my mind when i was doing this research well that's what we're here for exactly i wonder if he asked to be hanged oh because you know he loved ropes so much and then i actually googled it and uh-huh. Did you know that the last time a person was executed by hanging in the U.S. was in 1996? Wow. 1996. That's like two days ago. Yeah. A man named Billy Bailey, who I guess had the option to choose. You always have the option. Do you? Yeah. I, I think it's
1: state mandated, though. Um, so I was looking up. We'll finish what you are going to say and then
0: we'll talk about those. Well, I was just going to say that he, he was from Delaware. I think uh-huh. Delaware. And he chose hanging. And they actually had to renovate their gallows for him because they hadn't hanged anyone Oh yeah, forever. Yeah. Which just that in and of itself is so fucked up. It's
1: crazy. I never thought of that if he specifically asked to be hanged. And if he didn't, honestly,
0: come on, dude. Right. Why didn't you? I, so what I found is that When I was looking up that, it said the state of... I'm pretty sure it was Delaware. The state of Delaware allows you to choose. The option of choosing is also based on the state. So I was looking
1: up yesterday. You're right. It is based on the state. But from what I saw, if a state has more than one method of capital punishment, Mm -hmm. you are allowed to choose. So I think you're allowed to choose if there's more than one. And if there's only one, then obviously you can't choose.
0: Right. But um, I think when I was looking now... They don't offer hanging as an option.
1: No, 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 no. There's And they also don't offer um, the...
0: Firing squad. Oh,
1: no, that's super gone. Yeah. Yeah, but they also don't offer the gas chamber anymore.
0: It's just lethal injection.
1: Yes, it's just lethal injection. And technically that's illegal because murdering someone in this country is illegal.
0: But not if it's state made No, it is
1: illegal. So it's like this whole convoluted thing where there's all these different like solutions that they quote-unquote don't know which one is the the barbiturate that will kill these people and yeah and they like push a button or like like flip a switch or something whoever does it Mm -hmm. and all three of these chemicals i'm just making up a number Mm -hmm. all three of these chemicals like one of them that they don't know is the one that poisons the person to death. Like the firing death. squad
0: thing where everyone would be given e- blanks. Yeah. And- so, like,
1: nothing is technically at fault. So, mm-hmm. they all go into this person and then um, they don't know which one killed them. And right. it's it's like an accidental death, technically. Right. I don't yeah. know. The death penalty is this whole... Long yeah, convoluted that's thing true. that we will one day maybe possibly talk about, but not right now because we can do it for the next eighty five hours. Yeah. But I did want to say one more thing about the gas chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been deemed cruel and unusual. Really? Yes. Where before they thought that it wasn't, and I was reading about gas chamber deaths because that's what you do on a Friday night. Duh. And um, they had like a lot of issues with it when they were trying to like figure out how to do it at the beginning. Oh no. And other people died. <gasps> And some of the people that they were trying to gas didn't die, and one of the people, I don't remember who his name was, mm-hmm. um, he they were gassing him for, like, 45 minutes or something, oh. and he's like, yeah, I'm not dying, so he just bashed his own head into the wall until he died. It's like, I'll just do it for you. Oh, my God. That... Yeah, so
0: now it's considered cruel uh, and unusual. That reminds me of that scene from the Green Mile when he doesn't I talk about the Green Mile. dip the sponge. Yeah. Don't do, don't, do don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't
1: do it. Anyways. Stop. Wait. So it's cruel and unusual and they don't even allow um, gassing anymore for animals that are humanely put down. Yeah. At humane societies. So just, so you know, mm. well, that's, that's how good. cruel and unusual it is. Well, so he suffered a little bit. If that gives you any sort of well, twelve minutes it took him twelve minutes to officially die. So Good. there's that. All right, that was totally. We just totally went crazy on all these tattoos. But
0: yeah. So, anyways, that is the story <laughs> of the chipmunk dick strangler, Harvey Glatman.
1: Um, Harvey the hand job Glatman. <laughs> Harvey the hangman Glatman.
0: No, that's too cool. He can't be the hangman. Cool. That's from Harvey. <laughs>
1: Harvey the auto-asphyxiation um, cap gun. Harvey the cap gun Glatman, There it is. Bam. Nailed it. Harvey the cap gun Glatman, The cap gun cat burglar Gladman.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: cat burglar. That's all we got. Well, if you want to hear more very, very cool nicknames and maybe us talk a little bit more about the death penalty mm. and what we think... Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the Night Stalker. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the discussion on women um, who are in love with killers. Ugh. Maybe. We got a lot um, to say about that. Just, I don't know. Any more of this, uh, meet us on the after show with Nick and No, which will be on our Patreon. Patreon. So head over there and we will chit and we will chat about more of this and more of that.
0: Yes, we will. I believe that you teased to me that yeah. we have a really great listener mail. Oh, yeah. And you didn't tell me what it was. Uh-huh. You told me it was about. But yeah. I would like for you to read it for everyone. I would love to read it. Because it's amazing. And I haven't I haven't listened to it yet. So. Really? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh! I'm excited. I texted Nicole at, what was it, like one thirty in the morning mm-hmm. about how dope of a listener mail we have. Yeah. And then when she woke up
0: today, she was like, what? Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for this one. So excited.
1: So here we are, I guess. So, this week's uh, listener lore. Listener Laura's Captain. <laughs> <Ooh. sighs> like it? We have to slip in a Captain Crunch reference every single episode, <laughs> or it's not cute. You. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start spelling Captain with a Q. <laughs> okay. Listener lore me, Quapton. Fuck yeah. This week's listener lore, Quapton, <laughs> comes from our sweet listener, Terry. Hi, Terry. Hey, Terry. They say another very interesting podcast, which has kind of been around in my head for a long time because of something that my father said. So this is in relation to our previous episode. He would often make up things just to tease us into finding out the answer to a question ourselves. But I do not think this is the case here. I am so old. Terry, come on. I recall the Diet Love Pass incident being in the newspapers as a Soviet climbing accident. I was raised in the UK. I now live in Estonia. That's awesome. Which was incredibly suspicious of anything Soviet. This carries on even today when the Russian Federation is a highly westernized market system that on August nineteen ninety one we were born that year.
0: I was born in ninety.
1: Well, yeah, because you're a freaking Sagittarius. <laughs> Anyways, on August 1991, they declared independence from the Soviet Union. Russia is over 2 million square miles smaller than the Soviet Union. I did not know that.
0: I didn't know that either.
1: Moscow was, as the capital of the largest Soviet state, the nominal head of the Soviet Union. Still, outwardly, the UK is suspicious of Russia while, of course, doing trade with them.
0: I think it's safe to say that every country is suspicious of Russia because the US is too. (laughs) Yeah. Well you Well know, not Trump, but well, yeah. everyone else. We don't say that word anymore. We don't say the T word. He in this who must house. not
1: be named. That's right. Another Harry Potter reference. You're welcome. She continues. My father was rather fond of the Soviet Union as they produce excellent radios with great speakers. I love that. Like there's this very suspicious, very like, you don't talk about them, we don't associate with them country, but goddamn they make a great radio. Great radios. I love that. Such a dad thing to do. <laughs> right. He had, been, he had been for 28 years in the British Army specializing in, quote, signals, radio transmissions, cool. etc., and spoke many different languages. He had a Russian shortwave radio that we, as children, were not allowed to touch or go near when he was listening to it. He read the Dyatlov incident and gave the paper to me to read as a child. It was reported as a climbing accident. He questioned why it had ever been reported, leaving me puzzled at the time. I was thinking climbing accidents must be commonplace. However, he added, not a climbing accident. They did not check the area beforehand. Very cryptic. As an ex-Army Regimental Sergeant Major... He his outlook sounds so important yeah. his outlook on life was army grounded as it would be after twenty-eight years in the British Army. Everything must be checked beforehand. He fought in World War two in wow. Burma and in India and was trying to keep peace in the partition of India. I think that his attitude stemmed from this years later, I began reading on the incident in detail as more than just a climbing accident because it was becoming famous for conspiracy theorists. I asked him if he remembered his remark made long ago. He said that he had listened to a Soviet radio station and heard something that made him think that the accident was military-grounded. Immediately, I said, nuclear testing? As mushroom cloud-making was in the news. He told me it was not nuclear, but a test of air concussion explosives, to remove avalanche threats and remove snow from an area so villages need never be cut off from the rest of Russia, testing the height for best results. Since the weather was bad, some could have gone off course. He guessed they could hear the explosions and think that an avalanche was coming, so they tried to get away. Yes, There was such a lot of secretive threads woven over the whole incident, he refused to talk about it. Oh, my God. Also, he preferred being careful about what he had heard in case it was a radio transmission he should not have heard. Oh, my God. He died in July of 1984 without saying another word on the matter.
0: Holy shit.
1: Great podcast. Best wishes. Keep safe. Have fun. Love, Terry. Terry! How badass are Terry and their
0: dad? Oh, my. We just solved it. That That's my theory. That's, like, our yeah. theory. It makes so much And he had the uh, Russian radio, uh-huh. right?
1: Yeah. The dad. Oh, my God. So, basically, he,
0: he knew it for sure. An air concussion makes uh-huh. perfect sense because... The dialogue of den four they were all beaten up like they had been in a car crash but not had been like you know nobody physically punched them or anything yeah what if they ran into one of the explosives
1: oh uh, that makes perfect sense because those <sighs> air concussions do you know what an avalanche technician is no it's basically the coolest job ever you fly studies avalanche. no 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 someone who creates avalanches oh. so you fly around in a helicopter and you shoot either like Mortars, like mortar shells or this air concussion weapon (sighs) thing at snow to create avalanches so that avalanches happened in like a purposeful manner instead of on accident and kill people. It's a real job. It's the coolest job in the whole world. I'm sorry, but it is. So these weapons are strong enough to cause an avalanche. They would absolutely kill a person. And think about it this way. You get shot with one of these huge explosive waves of air. Mm -hmm. You get scared. You bite your own tongue off. You're still alive. Your tongue falls out of your mouth. A little critter takes it. You, your stomach fills with blood. You die from blood loss. We just fucking solved diet love. I think my heart just stopped beating when you said that. It makes perfect You bite sense. your tongue off. Oh, my God. I never thought of that, but they never oh. released if her tongue was cut off or, or ripped off or... Yeah. It makes perfect... You know you yeah. can bite your tongue yes. off. Yeah, if you get... Yeah. You can do it in your sleep oh if you God. grind your teeth hard
0: enough. You- Holy shit, dude. <laughs> you just uncovered it. We just solved it.
1: I don't even want to talk about Harvey Glattman anymore. Thank
0: you so much, Terry. Oh, Terry. I know every time we read a... Uh, listener Laura we're always like that was the best one no Mm -hmm. this one i don't even have words
1: we just solved dialogue terry so great your father and us just solved
0: dialogue you're questioning you're writing in (sighs) it's okay we know everyone and everyone listening to this podcast you know we've solved we have solved dialogue pass if
1: you'll excuse me i need to go jump around and do some high kicks i don't even want to end the show i just just Let's just fade out like a bad 80s song. This is not. Well, now that we know what
0: happened with the whole dialogue. I feel like Right? If you guys also believe that that is what happened, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. No, 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 no. If you also
1: are able to solve a very unsolved yeah. old mystery, or if you that have no another ever theory. Knew, yeah, if either you're solving an unsolved mystery or if you have a theory, hit us up. Yeah. Please email us quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. Slipper slide into those sweet sexy DMs. All right, you can hit us up on Instagram, right? Yeah, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter group, we got a page. We're on Twitter. We're on Parlor. Mm, we're not on Parlor. We're on MySpace. Though. Well, you can find us in the Capitol when we storm it next week.
0: Um, so hit us up there. Let us know your stories. Let us know your lore. Let us know your thoughts. Everything that we've researched today, all of our sources will be provided for you in our description. So if you want to do any of your own research, feel free to do so. Do that. Do that. Also, what else should we talk about? We have a Patreon. So if you want to hear more about Dial of Pass and you want to join our movie
1: club. We kind of just do this thing where we film ourselves. You can see our faces if you want. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of
0: people don't know who we are. Our after show where we will be talking more about our episodes get a little more in depth, you know? Basically, it's just us getting weird
1: and ranting for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So if you're into that, which, let's be honest, we know you are, (laughs) uh, hit us up on the Patreon. Hit us up. Yeah, we got Movie Club coming up. And then also, I, if you don't mind, would like Mm. to plug the P.O. Box. Please do. It's been getting a little bit of love. um, Not too much love, though, let's be honest.
0: Adequate Um, love.
1: Yes. An adequate amount of love. It feels loved, but it doesn't feel neglected. Yeah. No. So if you would like to not neglect our P.O. box, but you would like to show it an adequate amount of love, mm. yes. please send us some love notes, send us some stickies, send us some, uh, I don't know, you could spin an envelope and mail it to us. That'd be very rude, but we please will don't. hang it up. <laughs> I'll hang it up. Please don't do that. I don't care.
0: Actually, if somebody did that, I'd be like, touche.
1: Yeah. I would just hang it up to yeah. be honest. That P.O. box number is... One two one two in Des Plaines, Illinois. Six zero zero one
0: seven. So remember to celebrate the strange and keep it unusual.
1: Unless you're solving unsolved mysteries like Day Love Pass, then you know do whatever you want. We're not here to tell you what to do. Yeah, whatever. It's well, fine. Anyways, bye. bye.